Hi, Alex. Hi there, Steve. You know, it's been a while since we did these. Some while, yes. I <laughs> Quite a while. Badly. First of all, you were away in Korea for two months or more. Three months, Three actually. months, yeah. Yeah. And I was traveling, mm -hmm. and uh, one thing and another, and we didn't do them. And uh, I know there are people, surprisingly, who actually enjoy listening to us. Yeah. I that mean, is surprising. <laughs> we had some uh, requests on the forum, and, you know, some yeah. people contact us personally and say, hey, we'd love to hear another podcast. So. Right. Here you know, are. and I never know what we should talk about, whether <coughs> we should talk about, you know, the weather, politics, <laughs> e the economic situation. But one thing that struck me today that I wanted to talk about and get your opinions on is the issue of confidence in language learning. And I'm even going to do a video, you know, a YouTube video on it. And, uh, you know, it is certainly true that if something good happens to you, you say your favorite team wins a game. Or you get complimented on something. Or you, uh, you know, uh, I score a goal in my old-timers hockey, whatever. Anything good happens, you feel good. Absolutely. You yeah. feel good and you're more motivated to do things. You've got a livelier step and you're just up and at them and you want to do things. And language learning is so dependent on the attitude of the learner that, you know, perhaps more so than in other activities. I mean, if, if you don't understand math, you can be motivated, whatever, you're not going to manage it. It's, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. But to me, language learning is like learning to walk. It's, it's very much natural. Mm -hmm. And if you are motivated and confident, you'll do better. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, many of the things that, that they do in traditional language learning actually discourage the learner. Like if you get two out of 10 in a test, you're not going to study as hard. Mm -hmm. you, that's not going to make you study harder. Uh, you know, sometimes on my YouTube videos, like I'll go look at the comments. So I have my Russian, for example, and, and I make mistakes in Russian. So I, generally the Russians come on and compliment me and say, oh, that's wonderful. I wish I could speak English as well as you speak Russian and so forth. And I know that I make a lot of mistakes. But then you'll get the guy who's in his fourth year Russian studies at some university in the States and he comes on and you're butchering the cases and you sound pretty bad and now me I'm not affected that much because you know seven out of ten say that's good and mm -hmm. three out of ten point out my mistakes but if all I got was people pointing out my mistakes and I know that I have mistakes mm -hmm that would discourage me mm -hmm. and I'd be less interested and you know I was thinking again I had a conversation in Czech and of course I've been working on Korean and trying to maintain my Russian and my Czech has slipped and so I understood everything that he was saying and we were talking about Czech politics uh, but I had trouble you know I'd, uh, finding my words and I knew that I was using the cases even worse than normal <laughs> but I'm not discouraged because I can then download my radio interviews, listen to them, and I say, wow, isn't that great? I can understand. Mm -hmm. I can understand this Czech. I'm, I'm in this Czech thing, this Czech, like I'm part of that now. I can, I can relate to things Czech, like you relate to things Korean. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy. So what if I speak with mistakes? It doesn't matter. And so anyway, to bring this all back to language instruction, I, I kind of think, because I always talk about the three pillars, or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. your attitude, the time you spend and your ability to notice but they are all affected by your attitude mm -hmm. because if you're turned off you're not going to put in the time mm -hmm. and you aren't going to pay attention so the key one is the attitude mm -hmm. so if in language instruction 
we are doing things that actually discourage the learner, maybe it needn't matter whether the learner gets the subjunctive right just because we taught the subjunctive this term. What does that matter in the long run? Mm -hmm. What matters in the long run is that the learner continues, enjoys the language, continues reading and listening and doing things with the language. That's what really matters. So the whole emphasis, like, what can we do? Can we give them, uh, you know, uh, what do you call <laughs> these, uh, these uh, cola drinks that give you an extra <laughs> kick? Or, you know, how do, we, how do we get the person happy, confident, feeling good about what they have achieved mm-hmm. rather than about what they haven't achieved? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I have an interesting experience, I guess, on both ends of the spectrum because... Mm-hmm. My interest in Korean was blossomed out of relationships with Korean people, having friends, having interactions face to face, and when you meet people face to face like that, they're very positive and very supportive. Even if you're just a, you've just started and you only know a few words, mm-hmm. they're very impressed and, mm-hmm. and they applaud you. And so from the very start with Korean, what I found was that I had a lot of confidence and I had a lot of motivation, a very positive attitude, so that. I could continue with Korean, even though I knew I made lots of mistakes, even though, you know, some people <clears throat> didn't understand me and so on and so forth. But that's just part of the process. But I had kind of this very positive experience with relation to Korean. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward a little bit. When I went to university, my first year in university, the first semester, actually, I took a Japanese class. And I thought, oh, Japanese will be interesting. I've heard that it's, you know, grammatically similar to Korean. So... Maybe it's going to be easy for me. I don't know. So I take the class, but it was an intensive class. So it's twice as much class time per week, which means you have you move through material a lot more quickly, but you also have to take a lot more tests, a lot more quizzes. There's a lot more examining that mm-hmm. takes place. And what I found was I started off very interested in, you know, intrigued by Japanese culture, the language, and things like that. But I kind of underestimated the workload for the course. And so my performance slowly started to slip and so I realized that and I you know made an effort to do better but the course was moving so quickly that I found it hard to catch up even though I was spending more time but what I found was that even though I was working hard on this I was constantly getting less than satisfactory grades you know for myself I'd like to get an A but in these cases I was getting a C and some of them I actually even failed these quizzes and so to me it was a very negative experience where I'm I'm trying really hard and I'm trying to be motivated, but every time you know every other class when I have a test, I'm getting a a low grade that I know is drawing me closer and closer to a lower grade overall for the class, um, and it just became very difficult. So I was, you know, I I tried to go as hard as I could, but I just towards the end of the class I thought, man, this isn't any fun at all. Like I enjoyed Korean because it was interaction it was positive but this is like so rigid so strict and even though i can you know to some degree communicate in basic japanese with a friend the class says that i'm bad so right and realistically what they test you on is quite arbitrary Mm -hmm. what they're saying is we taught you this we covered this material therefore you should know it one thing that i know from my own language learning is what I cover today is not necessarily what I remember or learn today. Mm-hmm. That may not click in for another six months or a year. So why would you test me on, what are you testing there? My ability to regurgitate 
something mm-hmm. that was given to me over a certain period of time. The only thing that really matters is that you stay active. So getting back to my own experience now, I'm trying to maintain my Russian and Czech, both of which are very much less than perfect, although I understand the languages very well. I speak with lots of mistakes. So I still want to spend some time on them, and yet I want to devote myself to Korean because I want to get the Korean up to the same imperfect level as my (laughs) Czech and my Russian. So I end up being realistic. In other words, there's only so much that you can achieve. Mm-hmm. So um, rather than saying, oh, gee, I spoke in Czech and I made a lot of mistakes, and they feel badly about it, I say, look, realistically, what can you expect? Mm-hmm. You know, If I were devoting myself full-time to Czech or Russian or Korean, I would do better. But then I would lose the other two. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've elected to do. So I think it's important to give ourselves credit for our achievements rather than have other people come by, come along and tell us where our shortcomings are. Because we're often well of a, aware of our shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and, and every so often to say, hey, look at me. You know, look at what I can do. Six months ago, I didn't understand anything in Korean, let's say. Mm-hmm. You know? And I sense myself understanding Korean better and better. Mm-hmm. I struggle when I speak, but, but I am aware of making some progress. So that should make me feel good. I should feel good about that. If we put that much time into a pursuit and we feel badly about the results, that's obviously discouraging. Mm-hmm. So we, we, and this is getting back to the classroom, the teacher has to structure it in such a way, given that people learn at different speeds and in different ways, that everyone who is genuinely putting in an effort comes away with a sense of satisfaction that they have achieved something. And if some people have better pronunciation and if some people remember certain words better or faster than others, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You can't squeeze more out of that learner than is there. Assuming that there is a difference in ability, all you really want is that they put the time in mm-hmm. and that they feel good about it. And so that should be the only emphasis. Like, I have 25 people in my classroom. How can I make them all like learning the language, feel good about learning the language? Maybe they shouldn't be learning the language. Maybe they should be learning some other language. Mm -hmm. So go find them whatever language they should be learning. In other words, the whole thing should be directed towards this issue of of making people feel good, making people get a sense of achievement. Now, it can't be phony. Mm -hmm. You know how, you know, like Johnny can barely spell and say, oh, you're doing great, here's an A, you know. I mean, there's a lot of that watering down. Uh, So there is a bit of a contradiction there. Like, you don't want to water it down, but... It's not like a language learner is going to be building bridges. Like if, if he, you know, if he can communicate, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's what most of them hope to do. I don't want a neurosurgeon operating on my. I don't want a neurosurgeon operating on my brain in any case. But if they are, <laughs> I don't it want. Be one, one, it better be a good one. So for the for those people, obviously the tests matter. You have to verify the quality of an engineer, mm-hmm. of a neurosurgeon, and stuff. But people who are learning languages. Unless they're going to be interpreting at the UN, you know, it should all be about enabling them to enjoy it, mm-hmm. such as your experience with the uh, with the Korean. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the, the interesting experiences that <clears throat> not only I but pretty much every Canadian and American has shared is learning a foreign language through school mm-hmm. and in high school. And I can't even count how many people that I've met who say. You know, oh yeah, I know some French, but uh, oh, I just learned it in high school, and I don't remember any. 
Well, it's like, well, it's, it's a tragedy, you know? Like, if, if people were really motivated to learn a language, like, why are we spending time learning languages during school if nobody's following through with it? Mm-hmm. Isn't the purpose to motivate people to continue to learn those languages, to develop more um, economic opportunities for themselves, for their country? Like, that's why we're... Or, or just cultural right? interests. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just gives you... A, you can fly off to France or Mexico and, mm-hmm. or Korea and you can communicate with the locals. You can turn on the TV and understand what's there. And mm-hmm. It's tremendous. a tremendous asset. And you're quite right. We devise those programs, at least in North America. In Europe, it's better, I think, because they are exposed to more languages. So mm-hmm. it's, it makes more sense for them. So there, I think there's a higher degree of motivation. But here... Most people have. Uh, why do you even teach a foreign language school? None of them can speak a foreign language. Yep. Like I don't think it's five percent. I don't think it's two percent mm-hmm. of people, unless they're in an immersion program. Mm-hmm. It's a very small number. Why are we even doing it? We should be really looking at what we're doing there. Yeah. But but yeah. the whole this thing about confidence is just it's, it's obviously so, is important in any endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, skiing. If you don't have confidence that you're going to ski down the hill, I mean you may as well forget it. 